0: And if you don't look after your people and treat them as your greatest asset, you will definitely never, ever have the bottom line as flourishing as much as you would like it to, and that's where most businesses have missed the point. You're listening to the Small Business Talk podcast with Cathy Smith. Small Business Talk is a podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs who want a better way to run their businesses without spending years doing it the hard way. Small Business Talk is hosted by Cathy Smith, who has run the same marketing agency for more than 17 years and helped hundreds of business owners achieve their marketing goals.
1: Welcome to Small Business Talk, episode 195. Today, my special guest is Karen Chaston. And we've got an incredible topic today, and it is how to motivate your staff to want them to actually stay employed by you. So, Karen, give us a two-minute tour. Where are you from and
0: why are you here today? Thank you, Cathy. It's so nice to be here. So I am on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia, and my how I got here is a long journey. But as a former CFO of a publicly listed company, I know how hard it is to motivate your staff, to keep them employed, but more importantly, to have them align with your values and your direction on the way forward where you want to go. So that's what brought me here today, Uh, a long journey. I had to leave my corporate life and become a life coach who specialises in loss to then bring me back to the corporate space to go, I wish I understood people the way I understood profits in my corporate life. Fantastic. And I think that's sometimes
1: where we get a bit caught up, isn't it? We think that the bottom line is going to make the difference. But quite often, the bottom line is actually dictated by the people. And if we don't have good people, no matter how good your bottom line is, you won't have a good business. And if you don't look
0: after your people and treat them as your greatest asset, you will definitely never, ever have the bottom line as flourishing as much as you would like it to. And that's where most businesses have missed the point. They see their people as replaceable and that they can treat them in any way because they will stay with them. But that's not the way to truly succeed in business.
1: And it's definitely not. And we're finding now, of course, with the the great migration is that these people are walking and it's very difficult to get replacements for them. So as we all know that the famous quote, what if we train them in the state? What if we don't train them at-? So I've mucked that up completely, haven't I? What if we train them and they leave? And what if we don't train them and they stay? So it's the same with treating them well. If you don't treat them well and they leave, you've got a whole fresh new lot to come through if you can actually get them at all. So sometimes it's better to look after the people you've got, work with their foibles and bring in a life coach or an executive coach to help them along and create a really good culture So everybody wants to stay and come to work.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, Kathy. And sometimes it's a limiting mindset where you look at, oh, I'm not going to invest in my employees because they're going to leave. But when you reflect, or if you reflect and you sort of look back and you go, but wait a minute, other people have trained people who are coming into your employment. So isn't that the same thing? Isn't that just the, you know, the the natural flow of give and receive? Because you always will receive so many benefits. From training your employees apart you know and the most rewarding one is they come to work excited about what's going to be happening because you are continually investing in them so they feel valued they feel like they are making a difference and that's that's the number one basic thing to do for all your employees and it's amazing what happens
1: Absolutely. And then you get a really great culture, you get a work environment that people want to be there, including yourself. I mean, we spend so many hours working. So why not make it a happy environment? Why not go go and put in the ping pong table and all of those sort of things. But if you don't have happy people,
0: those are just wrappers on the rotten cake. Well, they're the ones who are serving your customers, aren't they, at the end of the day? And if they are not happy, uh, what are they actually costing you in lost revenue? And most people never do that exercise. They don't understand the value of what employees who are loving life, who are loving their role, actually brings to an organisation. And it is about asking yourself that question. What is it costing me? through having disengaged employees.
1: For sure. I mean, we can go to any of the big retail um, outlets all over the world and um, find disengaged employees, people that are really just there to run their time out and get their paycheck at the end of the day. And they're not helping. They're not helping you. They're not helping themselves. And they're definitely not helping their customers. So Mm. yeah, having that want to be there makes such a difference
0: yeah i totally agree
1: so what do you think are some things that the sbt audience can do to help to motivate their um, employees
0: to wanting to stay and wanting to come to work one of the major things that a lot of employees don't have at the moment which they would love is a voice you know so often Leaders do not ask employees what they think. They'll bring in a new system or a new way of doing things and they'll just say, this is it. Management have decided that this is the new system, run with it. Without ever asking the employees who are going to run with it, is there a better way of doing something or is it easier? And whereas when you ask an employee, they will come up with their ideas. They will come up with not only money-saving ideas, but possibly even je- revenue-generating ideas, but they're never asked. And you hear them amongst themselves going, well, if they'd asked me, I would have told them this, but they're not open to my opinion. They, they know everything. They're the leader. And... But they're ruining it because we have to stick to this is the procedure. We can't go outside of it, which causes frustration to their customers, which makes it so um, annoying for the employees. Like, I'm here to serve you, but I'm, I'm in this little box or in this little lane and I cannot go forward with assisting you in that way. So the first one I would say is start asking them. Ask them how they're feeling. Ask them how their home life is. Ask them, is there a better way of doing something? You'd be surprised with the answers and also what flows on from asking that questions.
1: Yeah, and it's basically giving them the respect and treating them like a person. And we all want to be treated like a person. And sometimes as leaders, we get so far away from the coalface, we're not seeing those things that are happening over and over, whereas our employees are and they're getting frustrated because clients are asking exactly the same questions. They're complaining about the same things. Mm -hmm. So by asking the employees, you're going to get that information that you're possibly not going to get unless you're right
0: there in the trenches yourself exactly but you've got to be open to the asking and open to hearing what the answer is because sometimes it may be completely different and not aligned to who you think you are or where you think the company is going but by being open to it, it really will make a difference as you said the employee will f- will feel respected heard valued and of course that in itself will make them want to stay because they feel, I can make a difference here. And isn't that what every single human being wants to feel? I can make a difference.
1: Yep, we just want to be heard, acknowledged, and given our two minutes in the sun as well. Okay, so that's number one. What would you say number two would be?
0: Number two would be is to see, let all your employees know what each other do. Okay. So often our procedures are, oh, this is just us doing this. We can't share it with another department. But when you start to share what people do in their roles and how it all fits together so that the people can actually see where they fit in this cog of the design, you will find out possibly that departments are duplicating a, a one procedure. So why not just have one department do it and then share it with another? You'll also have people ask questions like, why do you do it that way? Have you ever thought about doing it death, another way? Now, we live in a universe of endless possibilities. So why is it that we always think, And this, and I was very guilty of this in my corporate life, I always thought, I do it the quickest, I do it the right way, everyone do it the way I do it which is so limiting, you know, telling people this is how you've got to do it, it's not. As long as you get the result, how does it matter how they get there? But the important thing is to know that there are multiple ways of doing it and your idea more than likely is not the best or the easiest way. So be open to that. So through people knowing what everyone does and seeing how we all fit together, we also start to value each other. We start to say, oh, wow, that person actually does a lot of work and very important work, When, but they're very good at their job. They make it look easy. And here I was sitting back here thinking they hardly work. They don't do anything. Why are they paying them what they're paying? They don't do it. But when you deep dive in and you can see it, you really do start to value all of your team members Because remember, you're not the director overlooking, seeing what everyone does, whereas the leaders do. So start to share those ideas with people. Sure, there's confidential information that you may not want to share, but just by having people see how important every role is in the organisation, you will create that team dynamic workplace.
1: Absolutely. And I know from having teenage children many years ago, that I got a lesson in how things that can be done different, not because it was necessarily wrong, not because it was necessarily right. It was just different and Mm. different people with different thinking styles work in different ways. So quite often some of these procedures have been set in place by the original owner. If you've been a solopreneur and now you've scaled to have a team, you might have been doing it the way you did it in the beginning because it was necessity. That was the only time you had and how it needed to be done. Now you've brought in people with those skills, you really need to let them run with that. And you might need to alter some of your procedures as well. So making sure that everybody's got a good view of what's going on, I think is a really important thing. And as you say, it adds value.
0: Yes, it
1: does. Perfect. Okay, so that's our second What would our third
0: tip be? Allowing people to see their fingerprint on the design of anything you're creating. When you help people to be able to voice their opinion, to add to the design long before it's put in place, not only will they run with it because they know that they were part of the system development, they will also know that, Between everyone in the room, we all think differently. We have come up with the best design and we have looked at all of the possible things that could come up that could stop this procedure working in the way that we we designed it to work. And that is so important because it comes back to being valued, being able to see my fingerprint is on this. So, of course, I'm going to run with it and, of course, I'm going to be a champion to ensure that it it works to the best of our design, the best way we wanted it to work.
1: Yes, that's a great point. Having people have their own buy-in and be part of the decision making makes it so much easier for them to have that commitment and to to feel involved, as opposed to being told something that from their view, they're seeing it's not correct. And it's nothing worse than management coming down and saying you've got to do this when you as the employee Know that there's a far better way to do it. Yep. So, love that tip. Thank you. What else would you suggest that um, we should be looking at to make sure that our staff want to stay employed with us?
0: Looking at their downtime. You know, so often we say to people, these are your procedures for the day, right? And because they know that they have to be there eight hours, they will have it take eight hours. Whereas when you actually said to them, how many hours would this take? If you could go to home at the end of this time, like when you complete all of these procedures today, if you did them in the most efficient way, in the most productive way, without you burning out, how long would it really take? More than likely, they'd say six hours. And you'll go, okay, you're here for eight. You're going to make them last out to eight. How about you go home at the end of the day And then you get to have some me time. You get to possibly go down and spend some time on the beach or go for a walk in nature, regenerate yourself. So because you know that you not only have you done a fabulous day's work, you also get some time to spend with yourself. And then you get some time to go and possibly cook a really healthy meal for your family that has the most secret ingredient that we all love to put in it, you know, that four-letter word that starts with L and ends with E. It's amazing how different a meal tastes when it's made with love as a as opposed to, oh, I'm late, I've been at work all day, and I'm just going to rushly put all this together and that's it sort of thing. You know, more than likely it's takeaway and that's never really filled with love, is it? So being honest with your employees and actually saying, Let's sit down and be honest and figure it out. I don't want to burn you out, but I also don't want you filling in the day just because you're here for the day. Let's have a look at how long these procedures really do take. And are there apps out there or is there something out there that can make it even more efficient? I know a lot of employees are going to go, Oh, they're going to get rid of me if I, if I'm honest and stuff. And it's like, no, if the, if the leader says no, it's so that we can generate more income through you doing these procedures, let's build together. We're in it together. Let's figure out a better way of doing everything in a more efficient manner and giving you more time away from the office. And it's really funny, you know, there was a book that I read a while ago and it was called The 5-Hour Workday by Stefan Aristotle. And he brought in that 5-Hour Workday. And what he found was that, the people started working for him 24-7 because what they started doing is I want to keep working this five-hour workday. I'm still being paid for an eight-hour workday and I'm doing my work all in that time. But I want to keep getting paid this and it's only a trial for six months. So what else can I bring in to ensure that I keep this, you know, work the way, work life balance, the way it's happening? still going on, it's something like six years later because they were working 24-7. How can I be more efficient? How can I be more efficient? And it's amazing how that company has grown because of the employees taking on that. How can I be more efficient so that I continue to have my downtime because I'm healthier mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually? My family relationships are a lot better because I'm not working those long hours. I come home, I have time for me, I have time to exercise and then I have time to be with my family without constantly being in work mode when I'm at home. Truly does make a difference and I know some companies are looking at that four-hour workday or that that four-day week but let's go one step further and actually get the buy-in so that they can actually go, you know what, I can do it all in a five-hour a workday. Sure, some days it may be longer at certain weeks, but imagine the difference your employees will make when they know that they can work for you in less time, being paid exactly the same, but generating more for your company, as well as for themselves and their family.
1: Yes, I've heard two variations of that. And one is project-based, when mm-hmm. the, the project Um, These uh, people are are tradies, so they have a a certain amount of jobs that they need to do for the day. Once the whole team has finished those, it's knockoff time. So whether that be two o'clock in the afternoon or half past five in the afternoon, once you've completed your set tasks, you go home. And yes, how they
0: all hop in and help each other.
1: It's amazing that the teamwork yes. and the efficiency that that happens with that one. Yes. And the other one is that four-day work week where yes. people have been told that, okay, these are your KPIs, they're your tasks that need to be done, your um, key metrics. If you can finish those in four days, then you can have an extra day off. And yes. once again, it was a, a six-month trial and I think it's been going on for a few years as well. And that's what they said. They're, there's less general chitty chat. There's obviously still rapport building and getting to know you, your work colleagues and that sort of thing. But they're not wasting their time just standing around having a chat for the sake of having a chat. Yeah. If, they, yeah. if they are chatting, it's in regards to their work or their projects They're not sitting there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday going, oh, I'm tired, I've I've had enough of this, I'm not going to do anything. They're actually powering through to the end of most of them only work till Thursday. So at 2 o'clock on a Thursday they're still powering through so that they can get it all done by 5 so that they can go home on the Friday and enjoy picking the children up from school or doing the excursions or just literally having some time for themselves.
0: What a yeah, great it works so well, and it really does build that team. We're in this together, and together we thrive. And it really does bring in those bonds that that make such a difference. And you know, it just seems the logical way. You know, the, especially the younger generation, they they want to progress in their work life, but they also want to have. The other life as well, With it, you know, my generation, baby boomers, we were very much, you know, go to work, build it, all this sort of stuff, and all the other areas of our life were just over here, you know, not thriving as much. And, of course, we're paying the price for it as we get older Are our relationships as ideal as what they could have been. You know, so often you will see that person who has raised, you know, climbed the ladder and become amazing in their professional life, but as they look around, where are their family? Where are their friends? You know, they've lost them along the way. And it's it's so sad because we're here for relationships, for our people to build relationships, all sorts of relationships. And the more that we can do that and the more we can assist each other, the more that we'll have the flow on effect that will go throughout our company, which will then go out, to our customers, our clients, which will then come back to us and then obviously as returns to the company, uh, to the shareholders. But it really has to be sure that it's not at the expense of our employees that we are reaping the rewards. It's because of our healthy mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually employees that are making that difference.
1: Yes, absolutely. And our leaders too, because we did go oh, through yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, that that um, situation where an eight-hour work day meant that you were slacking off meant mm-hmm. that you you hadn't given your your all. So we all celebrate Labor Day of the creation of the eight-hour work day, but in reality, how many of us actually work an eight-hour day? Oh, exactly.
0: And then, of course, we come home if we're mothers and all those sort of things and we work another eight-hour day just by keeping the house running. And and that's where, uh, you know, most people don't realise the fact that, it, it's it's a community that we, you know, to bring it all together. I've got my, um, my son and his family living with us at the moment and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember all this, you know, sort of things. It's so much easier when you just get up and you just have to look after yourself. But, of course, it's a lot of people out there that uh, are doing a lot of work before they even get to work and it's it's about when they know that they don't have to be there as long, that they can get a lot of their jobs done, they don't have to do it at night, they then have time when the children go to bed to sit down with their partner, husband, wife, whoever, um, and actually go, how are you? And to talk because that's what creates their relationship and and keeps it, you know, healthy and really thriving. So, yes, yeah.
1: absolutely. And working those five hours when you don't then have to go to another five hour job, because you're being paid so little that you can't actually survive on a single five hour a day job. So having yeah. a a good quality job with good payment will mean that your staff will want to stay, they'll be happy, they'll want to be motivated to, to work and get the best they can for your company and your clients. So that's definitely a win win. and. Yeah, they'll have great relationships on the side as well. Yes, so
0: which makes them want to come to work all happy anyway, doesn't it? It's exactly. hard to drag yourself to work when you're not loving life in your home life.
1: No, and then that also then can create spill-on effects into the the office and the culture, and then yes. it becomes a, a nasty little spiral. So we've had a, a couple of really good tips there. Is it? Thank you. Anything that we've missed that you think would be um, advantageous for the SBT audience, Karen?
0: I just think that when you have a disengaged employee and you look at the Gallup stats, you know, it's anywhere between 20% or, you know, 25% employees that are engaged in the workplace. So we have a huge percentage of disengaged and actively disengaged employees. When you take the time to deep dive into them and to find out what's going on in their life, you can easily see why they've become disengaged. And a lot of the times it goes back to those simple things that we talked about in the beginning, a lack of disrespect, not feeling heard, um, not being valued all of those basic things that when it starts to add up and add up and add up and add up for an employee, they start to what's the point? you know I'm here, at the end of the day I'm here for the paycheck. They've got themselves into a situation where they require the paycheck, they don't know where to go and they just know exactly you know how far they can go before they get those three strikes are out. So if you are in that situation, It's very easy to get out. And what I have found that it starts with you understanding that person is taking the time to talk to them and to ask that simple question, how are you? What's going on in your life? You know, how can I help you? Because most leaders don't ask that question. and I don't know how the world has come to a place where you ask someone how are they and they answer. You go, oh, I don't didn't really want you to tell me you know sort of thing but it's important for us to take that time and to listen because sometimes that's all they require is someone to listen to them just to give them ideas to help them and maybe it's it's just a little training program or a personal development program is all that they require for them to become engaged again. And you're not going to move them from actively disengaged straight up to engaged. It is it is a process. But you want to make sure you're not moving your engaged employees into the lower buckets and because it just doesn't work. They probably won't go to the lower buckets. They'll leave instead. And that's the last thing you want. You don't want your engaged employees to be coming to work stressed out because of these people who are just going through the motions. So it's important for you to look at all of your employees, even the ones who in your mind you're actively working out of the company. That takes a while. It takes, you know, 80 months for you to actively move them on. So why not invest in them now? And who knows, they could become one of your best employees or they could decide, decide to leave on their own accord because once they connect to who they are mentally, emotionally, physically and spiritually, there is no way they can stay in an organization where they're disconnected to, for whatever reason, whether it's to your values or whether it's to your direction or whether it's to the employees, they will start to honor who they are. So everyone requires to know who they are. Because when you know who you are, you know where you're going. And isn't that what we all want? We're all here for a reason, so why not make sure we're walking along the right pathway?
1: Absolutely. And I love the thing that sometimes it can be just as simple as listening. How often do we ask a question? We're not listening. One, we don't want an answer. And two, we're just waiting for our turn to talk. So actually stopping and listening, hearing what that person says without interrupting them, without prejudging, without making your own map, your own decisions go out on them can sometimes be all that's needed and make a huge difference.
0: And not taking it personally. You know, what they're saying is not a reflection of you or if it is, find out why and then look at yourself and maybe you'll find different things that you can stop doing or start doing or continue doing. We all require to know who we are, whether we are the leader or whether we are the janitor, and it's important for us all to know that. Fabulous, absolutely.
1: And if the SPT audience would like to know more about you, Karen, where do they find you?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm on all the usual places. So you can email me. Um, all the links are below or you can look at the chastencenter.com. You can find me on there and of course on LinkedIn, quite easy. Um, LinkedIn, I think is the easiest place, isn't it? To find anyone nowadays. I think so. And at
1: this stage of the podcast, I get to ask you five questions. Are you oh, going? okay?
0: Yes, of course. Okay.
1: The final five. What's the best advice given to you by a mentor?
0: Believing yourself.
1: What's the biggest help you have received since starting your business?
0: Oh, wow. I've had so many. Um, Wow. Biggest help. The the biggest, I guess the best advice when starting my business was, Never outsource anything until you know how to do it. I think that was the greatest, the, the greatest help that I have ever been given because I took that on board and I and I, and I'm amazed at the things that I know how to do as an accountant, you know, a former accountant, former CPA. I'm like, wow, I've got this. And I, and, and it is very rewarding. Of course, I now outsource a lot of it. But but through knowing how to do it, you also know what the value of it is. So if someone decides to say, well, this is going to cost you this, you sort of go, "Mm, I could do that in so many hours. How about you rethink your price? So, yeah.
1: I think that's a really great one too because it gives you an idea of what the pricing should be. And conversely, if they're going to do it for far too cheap, then it's also a red flag, and you might need to be asking what is the quality of their work? Can they do it? Can they do it consistently? So yeah. that's a um, fantastic one. Thank what you. Is, what is your non negotiable, the one thing that you have to do every day?
0: Breathe. <laughs> it sounds funny, doesn't it? We all breathe, but we don't breathe deeply. So I, I really do love my meditation and my deep breathing exercises where I breathe deep down into my belly, which is where all the nerve endings are to the um, vagus nerve, which goes all the way up to your hypothalamus, and that's where your command centre of the brain is. So, yeah, my deep breathing is something that I always love to do. Fantastic. What is your favourite business book and why? Oh, wow. Good question. Um, I, I guess one of them is it's an old one. It's old Stephen Covey's and I and I don't really um I guess it's the what is it, seven habits of highly effective leaders or or whatever it is. Um, but I always love those seven ones and I I quote all the time, always begin with the end in mind. And it's such great advice, and I know that you know there is no original idea at the moment, and people redo it. But I really do um, love a lot of the old ones. I have a lot of a lot of books. I, I love reading. I, I love Kindle. Um, I can have my phone with me anywhere, my books with me anywhere. So yeah, there's so many amazing books out there.
1: There definitely is, and that's really interesting because our podcast episode 192 was all about being authentic or being original and what is the difference. So if you haven't listened to that one, guys, go back and um, have a listen to that. So well done. Okay, what is the one thing that you wish that you had known when you started your business?
0: That I am as that I am better than what I think I am, that I can do it. Uh the limiting beliefs that are holding me back are limiting beliefs, just work through them. Um but Yeah, I, I, I guess that's the one thing. You know, I, I look at how I have stored myself in so many ways and they are blocks and they're blocks for me to learn from and to grow from that, you know, I look back and I just and I like go, I could have done that. I could have done that then. Well, why didn't I do it? Why didn't I do it? So, yeah, it is about knowing who you are and what's stopping you. And we all have in some way a little imposter syndrome and we all, you know, who do I think I am to be able to do that? Well, I'm telling you now. You are a person who can do it. If you think it, you can do it. If you believe it, you'll receive it. Take that on board and truly believe it um, because it's true. And if you have that idea, if you've been blessed and been given that idea, you are worthy of bringing it into fruition.
1: Fantastic. And that's a great note to end on. So thank you so much for your wisdom. I Appreciate you motivating our our staff and our leaders. So guys, if you're just a solo employee, a solopreneur, or only have one or two employees, think about using these um, tips on yourself. How can you motivate yourself to give the the best advice and to give the best customer service that um, you have? Because sometimes we are our own worst employees and bosses. We sometimes gave up great jobs to to work for a really awful boss ourselves. So, <laughs> so think about using some of these tips as well. So it's not just corporate
0: where they'll use.
1: So thank you very much, Karen. I appreciate you coming and enlightening our SBT audience.
0: Thank you. It's been amazing. I like your tips at the end, uh, your questions at the end.
1: <laughs> thank you. So SBT audience, remember, enjoy your journey. Don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au for all the show notes and links to this episode. Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode, take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action. And SBT community, enjoy your journey.